0: Good evening. Make sure I get everything turned on so you guys can hear me. It's wonderful to see everyone everyone here tonight. As John said, we we have a, a little bit of a short crowd, but it's a good crowd. It's a wonderful crowd because each and every one of us is here in this place together and we have the opportunity to worship God in truth and in spirit. We have the opportunity to, to study from, uh, from his word as, as, as that song that, that we just sang. We have that common love for the truth of God's word. And that's, that's one of the reasons we are here. We have that love for God's word. We have that love for the truth that is God's word. And we have the opportunity to, to, to study that, that, word, uh, that, that word tonight. So we thank you for being here with us this evening. We, as, as Brother John said, we are continuing our, our study in the book of uh, Acts. We are in Acts chapter 19. So if you have a Bible as I turn this on as well, Acts chapter 19. We're going to look back a little bit at Acts chapter 18 only because Aaron set my map up good. So we're going to go back a little bit and not really recover. Just kind of hit some of those locations so that we know where we're going and where we're at when we get to that map. But I hope that the things that we study tonight will be will be a benefit. It will be edifying. It will be edifying to you. And will be according to God's will that any time that we get the opportunity to study, we are blessed, we are benefited, we are edified by being here tonight. And Acts is a fascinating chapter. And as we've been going through the history of the uh, of the church with, with Brother Mike McCorkle uh, recently and some of the other sermons that we have been doing with, with, with doctrine and some things of that nature, Acts just rolls right into it. And it's wonderful because you get to see people making the disciples and baptizing people and getting those churches created and getting those churches started. And it's a real encouragement for us here at this time today. So in Acts chapter 18, I know that that's kind of small, but we're just kind of recapping some things that Brother Aaron has already talked about. It says there that in Acts chapter 18, verse 1 here, the Bible says, And after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. So in Acts chapter 18, he's in Corinth. That's where we're at, and we'll get to that map in just a moment. Verse 2, I don't have, but verse 2 is where he meets Aquila and his wife Priscilla, and those two are very important people. But then if we skip down in Acts chapter, eight, uh, Acts chapter 18 to verse 18, the Bible says here, And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren, and sailed thence into Syria, and, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shown or shaved his head in, in, in Chateria, for he had, ha- had a vow, or he had made a vow. Verse nineteen, and he came to Ephesus, and and left them there. Aquila and and Priscilla left them in Ephesus, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And there, when they desired him to tarry longer time with them, he consented not, but bade them farewell, saying, "I must by all means keep the feast that cometh in Jerusalem, but I will return again unto you." if god will and he sailed from ephesus and he keeps that promise because we're about to see he goes right back to ephesus here in acts chapter 19. this is verse 22 and when he had landed in caesarea and and had gone up and saluted the church he went down to antioch so we went through that just so we can kind of see the journey that paul is going through because this verse acts chapter 18 verse 22 ends his second missionary journey so here's his his second missionary journey, and right here is where Aaron left. His miss here is that he was right here in Corinth. This is spelled a little differently, but it's the same place. This is where he shaved his head. This is where he had that vow, and then he sailed here to Ephesus, and then from Ephesus he took this long boat ride, and that's a long boat ride, all the way down here to Caesarea. Then when it says, if we back up, where it says here that he landed at Caesarea and gone up and saluted the the, the church. I believe that's where he went here to Jerusalem because he said he was going to Jerusalem. and Then he ended in Antioch, and and if you recall, Antioch is where we started this second missionary journey a while back. So uh, I I, I, I just want to point that out, that all this space and all this time and all these things that were going on that we've been studying is Paul's second missionary journey. And it's just, it's not a circle, but he just kind of came full circle there, doing all these things. Uh, He was establishing churches and now he's kind of ended that second journey. So but I, I wanted to point that out uh, where he went. Also in Acts chapter 18, verse 23, this kind of starts his third missionary journey. So I, I, I wanted to point that out. I also want to point out where Apollos is at because it also brings it up in the first of Acts chapter 19 as well. So Acts chapter 18, verse 23, the Bible says, And after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over, over all, all the country of Galatia and Phrygia, In order strengthening all the disciples, and a certain Jew named Apollos, born of Alexandria, and a eloquent man, and minding the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. So Apollos is at Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when and when whom, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly or more accurately. And when, he, and when he had, had disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him who, when he had come, helped them much which had believed through grace. So he desired or he wanted to go to Achaia, or, or, or where, which is where Athens is and Corinth is. And he went, and they sent a letter saying, this guy's good, this guy's great. Receive him. He's going to help you. He's going to do good. And I pointed that out. So I can have my new map up here, which looks like the old map, but it's a new map. Because if you see here, this is Paul's third missionary journey. So he started here, and it said that he went through all of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening the brethren. For some reason, where I've been getting these maps, this area right here is Phrygia, and it's not on this map. So I just added my other map again. So this is the area where he's at. So you can see that he's coming here and he's going to ephesus that's where he's going to end up here in in our chapter so he's going through here there's a iconium there's there's lystra places that you hopefully recall from earlier chapters he has now started this missionary journey going through and he's going to land here in ephesus but i want to point that out that this area here is actually the region of phrygia which is mentioned there in those verses one other thing that I'm going to point out really quick is Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila and Priscilla are an excellent example of a godly Christian marriage. That is a husband and a wife that are going about doing God's work. If you are a married couple, an old married couple, an old, a younger married couple, if you're probably dating and still going to college, and maybe that might happen one day, this is an example for you to look at is Aquila and Priscilla. They are tent makers. They are normal people, and they're going about teaching God's word to, uh, uh, together. And it says here, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 19, Paul here says, And the churches of Asia salute you, Aquila and Priscilla salute you, much in the Lord, with the church that is in their house. Not only are they helping, like someone like Apollos, and teaching him the way of God more accurately, they're opening up their home. They have hospitality, and they're doing that so that they can have church in their home, so that people can have church, so they can have communion, so they can be taught. That they are an extremely important marriage couple in the Bible. Says so here in Romans chapter sixteen, verses three through four: "Great, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in in Christ Jesus, whom have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only." I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. There's not a vast amount of information about these two, but what we have is enough. They have done so much for all the churches of the Gentiles there. And Paul says, they have laid down their, they stretched their necks out for me is basically what he's saying. They put their lives on the line for the gospel's sake. And we see those people here in Acts chapter 18, and it's a wonderful example for us that you, as a couple, can do great things. And I want to encourage you, if you are a married couple, to use this example of Aquila and Priscilla in your lives and strive to do those things. Or any of us have that opportunity to teach and to preach the gospel. Now Acts chapter 19, verse 1. Acts chapter 19, verse 1, of the Bible said, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. So now... Apollos has gone to Corinth and it says he was going to Achaia if I'm pronouncing that correctly and that is the same place because Corinth is the capital city there of that of that region of that country so so Apollos has gone from Ephesus now in some form of fashion to Corinth and it says that Paul here has come all this way through land now to Ephesus and it says where it says here if we go back the upper coast came to ephesus i think that's just describing instead of going by a boat like the last time ephesus is a coastal city and this is the upper region of those coastal cities so if this is fascinating to you he's coming right here down to ephesus and he meets these people and he meets certain disciples here and it says he said unto them the certain disciples that he met on those upper coast regions as he goes to ephesus It says here, He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto "Unto John's baptism. And Paul said, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after, that is, on Christ Jesus. And I'm sure there was some more things taught. There was probably some more things said that Paul said there. There, as as I was studying and and looking at some commentary, some of these people speculate that these certain disciples may have been may have been uh, 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 disciples of Apollos, not disciples of Apollos, but Apollos may have taught these men, and that's why they only know the baptism of John. Because if you recall from Aaron's chapter, that's all that Apollos knew, and that is somewhat spe- speculation, but it makes sense to me. And they're in that region where Apollos was speaking boldly, but 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 re- regardless, Paul comes across these guys. And he says, what were you baptized in? They said, only the baptism of John. And Paul doesn't just start immediately beating them. It's like, oh, you guys are wrong. To me, it seems like Paul's like, oh, John was great. John baptized uh, with repentance, and that was good. But John said, believe on him who's after him, who's whose sandal well, I'm not worthy to lose. And Paul says, that's Christ Jesus. That's who I want to tell you about. And as soon as they heard that, they were baptized. It says here in verse 5, and when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Lord of the Lord Jesus and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about twelve. So these men were baptized, but they were just baptized not into Christ Jesus. And Paul had the opportunity to tell them about Christ Jesus, and they were rebaptized, so to speak, or they were baptized in the name of the Holy Ghost. Now, this is a great example that we have, might have the opportunity to do something today. I doubt we're going to find someone who's, only baptized in the in the baptism of john but what if we find someone who was baptized as a baby or they were baptized incorrectly good people good godly people but they are are baptized into something incorrectly we have the opportunity to preach the gospel to them and preach them jesus christ and re-baptize them correctly so to speak scripturally according to the gospel it says here in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. This is what we're about. This is what we're supposed to be doing. This is the basis of our Sunday morning lessons. This is the basis of our Wednesday night lessons. As we look at these, at these scriptures, this is what Paul is doing here. He's seeing these men. He has the opportunity to make disciples, and he baptizes them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So I want to encourage you, if, if, if you're out there spreading the gospel as we should, and you encounter someone who's baptized, but they realize or you realize they're baptized incorrectly, it's It's okay lord willing we have the opportunity to fix that problem they may be good people they may be god loving people but they may not know that they should be baptized in the name of of our, our lord and savior jesus christ and we need to take that opportunity like paul is here to correct that this is here in acts chapter 19 verses 8 through 10 and went and he went into the synagogues and we're at ephesus so i'm not i might not bring my map back up but that's where we're at pretty much the duration of this chapter now he's at ephesus Verse 8 said he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way, what way? The <laughs> of uh, of uh, Christianity. Before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And this continued by the same space of two years, so that all that which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. Excuse me, both Jews and Greeks. So he was in the synagogue for, for three months teaching. They didn't like it, so they pretty much kind of kicked him out. So he went to this school of Tyrannus, and I looked that up, and I didn't get a whole lot of infor- information about that, or nothing that I felt was accurate, but it was like apparently a place a school where you can do some teaching and they obviously let Paul do his teaching and he taught there for two years. So many people, if you can think about us teaching and spreading the word of God for two years, that's going to reach a lot of people. And the Bible says that all those that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now, I don't know how many believed or not, but everybody was hearing what Paul was preaching and Paul was preaching for two years there. And it says here in verse 11, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the evil and, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. So there were special miracles. I think the Bible points it out that it might not be miracles that, that, that other people were necessarily doing or capable of doing. God did these miracles through paul and if you recall earlier in our study in the book of acts this is the area that paul wanted to go to Do y'all remember that and the spirit said no you go to H- H- macedonia but now he's here now he's teaching now might be the right time i'm sure it is the right time for him to preach that gospel message there for two years and not only that these miracles are happening and if you see these miracles happening this is going to strengthen your your belief you're going to see people's being healed of sicknesses by a handkerchief from paul through the power of god that's powerful i mean just imagine that you would be moved and you would be bringing your friends come look at this come listen to this and that word is spreading there so these miracles there seem like they were special miracles that paul was doing and they were miracles that there could be no disputing and these were powerful and they influenced people As we're about to read, it influenced people in a wrong way, but regardless, things are going on there in Asia. Things are going on there in Ephesus, and Paul is at at the center there. And it says there in Acts 19, verse 13, the Bible says, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, Exodus, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure thee, you, we adjure you, by Jesus whom Paul preaches and there were seven sons of, of Siv, uh, Sikva. I've, I've got this Bible out so I can try to pronounce these correctly. <clears throat> Sikva, or Sikva, a Jew and chief of the priests which did so. So they were seeing Paul casting out these spirits. They were seeing these special miracles done by Paul. So then these vagabond Jews, which just means these roaming about, walking around Jews, were like, well, we'd like to, to, to do that ourselves. And it's just, to me, it just sounds ridiculous. I was like, we, we command you, so to speak, or, or we're telling you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. I mean, it just sounds like ridiculous, right? It's like they, they want to use something that they're not a part of. And it says there that seven sons of that Jew there, and, and, and in those olden times, there were many superstitions about the seventh son of a seventh son and, and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if that's what the Bible is pointing out, but there's some superstitious stuff going on here. But these guys were trying to cast out, so to speak, these evil spirits in a ridiculous way. And they get humiliated, in my opinion. Acts chapter 19, verse 15, the Bible says, And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus and fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So they tried their hand at this and it didn't work. So this guy, or this evil, this guy who was possessed by this evil spirit is like, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Saying if Jesus was here or Paul was here, I'd be gone. You'd, you'd cast me out because that's the power of God. They didn't have that, so then he pretty much just leaps on them and just beats these guys, rips off their clothes, and wounds them, I'm sure, dramatically, and they flee the house. An embarrassing scene for them, I, I'm sure. And this incident also went about and everybody knew about it and what was what was great about it is that even though they tried and they failed what happened was the name of the lord jesus was magnified because these miracles were happening by paul paul was doing these miracles and these men tried and 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 it didn't work so then paul preaching the lord jesus christ that name is magnified so even through their error and their ignorance god is magnified jesus is magnified and the word spread Acts chapter 19, verse 18, the Bible says, And many that believed came and, and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mighty grew the word of God and prevailed. And I looked up some, some different figures of the 30, uh, fifty thousand pieces of silver, but just saying fifty thousand pieces of silver ought, ought to be, be enough. That's that's a lot of money. And these weren't just storybooks; these were books about practicing these magical arts. These were these books about them trying to do these magical things these these witchcraft so to speak that's what these books were instruction manuals for witchcraft basically is what these books are and that's what they used to use to, to 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 try to fix their problems or their error and now hearing the word of god they're burning these books so they're not just burning just random books like like they're book burners these things are blasphemous so to speak and they go against god and the teachings of god and the teachings that paul are doing and they're burning them and showing their commitment Towards God by taking those books, those books of witchcraft, there of sorcery, burning them, it shows their 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 great commitment for the things that Paul is teaching, and I think they point out how much it costs to try to let help us understand that these that that these these people are very much into what paul is talking about here and it said mighty grew the word of god and prevailed and that's the key at the end of all these things those guys trying to cast out demons and didn't work. these people taking their witchcraft books and burning them god is magnified jesus is magnified the word of god is magnified and the word of god prevails as mighty it grew and that is the point that the word of god is spreading the church is growing and it would be very exciting to be a part of that time Continuing on in our study in Acts chapter 19, verse 21, the Bible says, After these things were ended, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I had been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of them that, that, that ministered unto him, uh, Timotheus, or that's Timothy, and Eratus, or Eratus. hold on, let me get my other Bible, <clears throat> Eratus but he himself stayed in Asia for a for a season. So Paul's kind of telling them, or he's telling Luke here, so to speak, who's recording this. He's saying he wants to go to Macedonia. He wants to continue seeing those churches because, if you recall, when he started this missionary journey, he went through Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening the disciples. Well, he wants to continue doing that, and he says he needs to go back to Jerusalem, and he he must also see Rome and hold that must also see Rome in your mind because. Lord willing, by the end of the book of Acts, I'm not trying to spool or alert, so to speak, he's going to get to Rome, but it's going to be a way different thing that you may think or maybe he thinks. So just, just, just keep, keep that in mind. But he sends these two guys in, into Macedonia, I'm assuming, so that they can minister there, so that they can go strengthen the disciples until Paul has the opportunity to go. But it says Paul stays in Asia. And, and, and remember, Paul's already been there for over two years here at Ephesus preaching. I do have my map again. Let me go back to this verse. So he sent Timotheus and that other guy to Macedonia so that they could strengthen the disciples there. So I wanted to point out that he's still here in Ephesus, and he sent those guys into Macedonia. And if you recall, Macedonia was the place where we had, a, we had the church of Philippi. We have a Thessalonica, those noble ones in, in Berea that searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. I just... I had those verses as an excuse to bring my map back up, but I wanted to let you know that they went into Macedonia, and those are the churches that we talked about a while back in previous Acts chapters. Acts chapter twenty-three. No more maps. Acts chapter nineteen, verse twenty-three. The Bible says, "And the same time there arose no small stir about that way." And when it says about that way, it's talking about Christianity. It said, "There's no small stir. There was a great big stir about what Paul was doing establishing Christianity there." At Ephesus for a certain man named uh, uh, Dem- uh, Demetrius Demetrius a silversmith which made silver shrines for Diana brought or brought or bought no small gain unto the craftsman or he, he was very wealthy in the things that he did he was a craftsman making these little silver shrines for Diana which is one of their goddesses and he made a lot of money doing that. Verse 25 says, Whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation, and said, Sirs, ye you know that by this craft we have our wealth. Verse 26. Moreover, ye see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but also throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no that that there that they are that there be no gods which are made with hands. So not so that not only this, our craft, is in danger to be set at naught, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship or worshipeth. So he's saying here he, 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 he's a craftsman. He's a businessman. He makes these silver shrines for this god Diana. And he said this Paul is preaching against this stuff. And he said, this is where we make our money. And what's silly is this man is about profit. He is about his money because he doesn't bring up his goddess first. If he was such a, a worshiper of Diana, that would be the first thing on his mind. He's like, listen, guys, we're going to lose a lot of money because people don't want these shrines. They're giving them away. They're burning books and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, and Diana, you know, her temple, you know, and it's just ridiculous. So this man's mind is on his covetousness, which is on his money, and he's gathering all these other craftsmen of the same occupation saying, we're going to lose our livelihood. We're going to lose our money because of this guy, Paul, who's preaching there are no gods made with hands, and there's only one God, the true God. So he gathers he, he gathers them all up, and he says in verse twenty-eight. And when they had heard this saying, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, "Great is Diana of the Ephesians." Verse twenty-nine. And the whole city was filled with confusion, and having caught uh, um, and having caught Gaius and having caught uh, Gaius and Aris Aris Tarchus. Uh, that's as close as we're going to get for tonight. Men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in traveling, they rushed with one accord into the theater. So they grab these two guys. These are two of Paul's companions. These are our Christians, those that are traveling with Paul and doing the work. It says he, They grab these guys because they know they're Paul's company. Because for one, Paul's been there for several years. So they're going to know his entourage, so to speak. And that's a, that's a bad word. They're going to know the people that are with him. And they grab those two guys and they take them into this theater. This theater, from what I was studying, is a big place. I mean, it, it held thousands of people. I don't know how many thousands of people. One commentator said this much, another said this much. But understand, it is a big theater that they are hauling these people into. It's going to hold a massive amount of people. And when Paul would have entered in unto the people, the disciples have suffered him not. And that kind of seemed confusing to me at first, but now it, it, it doesn't. They take two of my friends, they take Aaron and they take Nathan and they haul them into the theater. And you could tell the mob mentality has started. I'm going to want to rush in there. But they held Paul back and said, it's going to be worse for you. They're trying to protect Paul is what they're doing. Those other two guys are already caught up. Let's not lose more people to that mob mentality. So that's, the, that's why they held back Paul from going in there because I assume he wanted to go in there to help his friends, to help his traveling companions and it says here in verse 31, Acts chapter 19, and certain of the chief of Asia, which were his friends, sent unto him desiring him that he would not adventure himself into the theater. I'm going to stop right there for a second because to me this is fascinating. No, the power of the gospel reaches anybody. It doesn't matter about your worldly status, whether you are a Let's, let's, let's use some modern terms, a sinner or, or anybody like that who's got a lot of power, or you're a lowly tent maker with his wife, or someone who is poor, or someone who is rich. It reaches everybody. These chief of Asia, these are very powerful people in this city. These are men or a certain of the chief of Asia who was Paul's friend, who I'm assuming, I'm sure, was a Christian that he, that he converted there, is telling him, I know what's going to happen don't go in the theater. So I just wanted to point that out, that through Paul's several years there in Asia, it's not just the lost and the poor. Well, you're, you're all lost, or anybody's lost, that they don't have the gospel of Jesus Christ. But all people of all society there in Asia are hearing Paul and are converting to Christianity. And I thought that was a fascinating thing. Verse 32, Some therefore cried one thing, and some another. For the assembly was confused. And the more part, or the bigger part, knew not, wherefore they were come together so this mob here there's most of these people don't even know what's going on they're just caught up in the mob they're caught up in the riot so to speak and one of them saying crying out about this and one's crying crying out about that and just just mass confusion it's this is probably an extremely dangerous atmosphere to be in this theater is a very extremely dangerous place to be but most of the people there don't even know what's going on and they drew alexander out of the multitude the jews putting him forward and alexander beckoned with the hand and would have made his defense unto the people now who's this guy this guy was a leader sort of or he was at least a spokesman for the jews the jews put him forward because what was the main uproar was about their craft or these guys losing their money because they make these shrines for diana right and they probably made these shrines for all all other gods right well the jews some of those Jews there, they didn't believe in Christianity, but they believed in one God. So in this mob mentality, both Christians and Jews are, are in trouble because they're both in the exact same boat. So the Jews kind of push this guy forward in this theater, and Alexander's going to try to beckon. And he's going to try to calm them down. But what happens here in verse 34 says, but when they knew that it, that he was a Jew, all with one voice about the space of two hours cried great is diana of the ephesians so it started with paul and now the jews are also involved here because they also said they knew he was a jew so they didn't want to listen to him because the jews think that they they have the same mindset there there's only one god so now they've lumped together. This is just a very dangerous thing. And if you can think of a mob or if you've seen a mob or a riot mob on, on TV, I'm sure it's very similar. Have that thought in your mind as you're thinking about Paul and all these people there in this theater. It's dangerous. So they didn't even want to listen to uh, this Jew knowing that he had the same thoughts. Verse 35, and it says, And when the town clerk had appeared or, 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 or had appeased the, uh, the people, he said, You men of, of, of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not how that the city of of the Ephesians is a worshiper of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Jupiter and uh, as as I was studying, some speculated that the image that fell down from Jupiter might have been some meteor or, or something they had there in the in the temple, but that's speculation. but this town clerk, this official, this secretary comes in and there's this giant mob going on. And he appeases them. He gets them to calm down enough to listen to him. And he says, listen, we all know that the great goddess of uh, 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 Diana is worshipped throughout Ephesus. And he continues on here and says in verse 36, seeing then that these things cannot be spoken against, you ought to be quiet and to do nothing rashly. So he's not for Paul. And guess what? He's not for that uh, Alexander guy either. He is just trying to calm the mob down. So he's not really for Paul, for the Jews, for Christianity. He's just saying, listen, don't do anything rashly. It says here, verse 37, For ye have brought hither these men, which were Paul's companions, as well as Alexander, might have been lumped up in that too, and neither are robbers of churches, nor yet blasphemers of uh, of your goddess so he, he pretty much says they're these guys that you brought here to to do whatever you want to he said they're not temple robbers they're not going about just beating and destroying you know the the the, the thought of your goddess they, they don't support the goddess but what he's saying here is that these guys are not troublemakers what's your problem? He says, "Because Paul and those that were with Paul were preaching Jesus Christ his Lord, they were preaching one God and a preaching against, but 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 they weren't out causing trouble. They were law-abiding citizens, just like we strive to be law-abiding citizens today." So he's saying that these guys, they're not temple robbers, they're not out there blaspheming your goddess. He saying, "What's what's the deal here?" He says, "Wherefore, if Demetrius and the craftsmen, which are with him, have a matter against any man, the laws open." And there are deputies, let them implead one another. Let them plead their cases with them. He's pretty much saying, I don't really care what's going on. You craftsmen have an I- issue. There's a lawful way to go about that. And it's the same for us today. We don't want a, a giant mob going on. This guy is just saying, if you got something against these guys, you need to go to the deputies and settle it in a lawful manner. Verse 39 here says, But if ye inquire anything concerning other matters, it shall be determined in a lawful assembly. Verse 40, For we are in danger to be called in question for the day's uproar, there being no cause whereby ye may give an account of this concourse. And when he had thus spoken, he dismissed the assembly. So this town clerk, he wasn't a Christian. Lord willing, he became one because he's a great speaker. This guy calmed this entire mob down in this theater and he said, If you guys got something, go do it lawfully. He wasn't, like, like I said, he wasn't for or against. He was just saying that you guys are doing this wrong. Go to the courts, go to the uh, the deputies to sell your manor in a lawful way. He says, Cause We are in danger of being in question for today's uproar because there at Ephesus, none of that was legal. Not even speaking about a Christianity, they weren't supposed to be doing that. And he's saying we could all get in trouble, especially him being the town clerk. He was kind of a kind of a guy in charge there. He was like, we could get in big trouble for what's going on. You need to stop. You need to go home. And if you have any gr- gr- grievances, go do it lawfully. So <clears throat> this guy here. At least helped out because those two men that they took paul's companions. They weren't harmed. They were given back They didn't hurt any of the any of the Jews because this town clerk did his job So it's it's a fascinating story the in the end of this chapter is just pretty much that story here of this big riot that uh, that was going on that could have gone bad but they ended up settling it and telling them to be lawful. But what is fascinating to me is that Paul was there for a couple of years, and he was spreading the word of God from the lowest levels of society to the highest levels of society, and he was making those people mad. And to me, it kind of seemed like Paul is doing his job. and he's, he's good at his job because otherwise those guys wouldn't be afraid of losing their business for a fake goddess who doesn't exist. He's out there preaching the, the, the true God. that's the the study for tonight, and we appreciate everybody being here tonight. We we encourage you to be be back next Wednesday night as we continue our Acts study. Lord willing, we'll do Acts chapter 20. Uh, It's a fascinating study as we go and we look at mostly Paul's life and all the things and all the trials that go, that happens to him as he's going about doing God's work and doing God's will. And we see the church growing here in the the book of Acts. If there's anyone here tonight who is not a a, a Christian or there's anyone here who might be in the same boat as those certain disciples that we read about and you wish to be baptized in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that you could be that new creature and and arise and walk in newness of life, as we've been going through these studies here on, on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings as Nathan pointed out, that's the purpose is to bring souls into Jesus Christ so that the church can grow and so that more souls can be saved. If you are a member of the church and you're having some trouble with your life or you're having some issues and you wish the prayers of the church or there's anything else that we could help you with, we ask that you'd please come sit on the front row and make your wishes known as we stand and we sing.